You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where focus is people and our language is coffee. My name is Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. This is your platform for people-focused coffee talk. Welcome back to The Coffee Podcast, where I am your only host today because Wes is, I think, sleeping on the couch. He is not feeling good today. So, you know what I did? I took the reins, and I'm just doing it. Um, I'm kidding, of course. My humor doesn't always come across, and now that I'm alone, it's it's really weird. I'm in a, you know, I'm alone with a microphone recording. Anyway, it's, it's super strange. If you think podcasting is, it sounds fun, um, uh, it, it is fun. It's just, when you're alone, it, it's weird. Anyway, I, I'm done, because now I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to Noah, it's weird. All that to say, we just did our Crew uh, Instagram live session. It was really fun. Third Wave Water joined us, threw some jokes around. Uh, Crew was there, answering all sorts of questions. Um, we had a lot of you join us for the first time, uh, have a really good time, cracked a lot of jokes at how I was fidgety and couldn't put anything together, and uh, so we were laughing at me uh, mainly. But that's that's fine. Whatever, you know? We all need a good laugh. So we... um. We sifted some some, uh, some coffee. It was funny um, to watch Wes just kind of <laughs> shake the sifter for a while. Um, but all in all, it was really exciting. We're excited to have Kruv on the show very soon, uh, but you're going to have to wait a few weeks, so be patient now. Um, but today we have an interview lined up. I'm really excited. Um, this interview is with somebody who has been doing awesome illustrations for coffee bags. Uh, to me, taking coffee... To- bag design to the next level, making it very personal. This is Todd from Brandywine Coffee Roasters, here to talk about his personally designed illustrations. Uh, and uh, here we go. And we're off. Oh, well, my name is uh, Todd Purse. Uh, thank you for having me, Jesse. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I work with Brandywine Coffee Roasters in Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to hang out and talk about some coffee stuff. So, Todd, uh, when I think of Brandywine Coffee Roasters, the first thing I think of, uh, I mean, is are the illustrations that I see. Um, but before we jump into any of that, um, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, you uh, as a person. Uh, you know, where did you begin in coffee and sort of what's your background in coffee, your yeah. coffee story, so to speak? Definitely. Uh, it's funny. I've listened to a lot of episodes of your podcast, and I'm probably going to be a little bit different in, uh, than a lot of the interviews because I actually have not uh, been in the coffee industry very long. Pretty much since Brandywine Coffee Roaster started was the start of my uh, time in the industry. That was about two years ago now. Yeah. Before that, I was doing all freelance illustration and screen printing. And uh, my wife has been in the industry for about 10 years now, working at local coffee shops in Delaware and it just kind of worked out that when uh, the owner of the local coffee shop she was working at decided to open Brandywine Coffee Roasters and move into the roasting, I was doing some work for them and kind of was like, you think she would hear a pitch about me doing some branding for the new business, I'd love to be involved and it kind of all lined up perfectly. 
Yeah, I, but as far as my actual coffee experience, I've never had cafe time or anything like that. Kind of gets got to start in like the best place. <laughs> I was really lucky that way. No, yeah, that's really cool. I yeah, I I like that you mentioned some of our previous interviews, and people do come from you know different different walks of coffee life or not coffee life. Um, and what what would you say? Uh, like, what was your first experience with coffee? Like, was it? You know, was it two years ago? Was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my first experience in coffee, I definitely drank a lot of coffee in high school. Uh, I went to a lot of shows in the local uh, punk scene in Delaware, and a big uh, event after the show would be going to diners. So my main introduction to coffee was diner coffee, which nice. is not too great, but like, <laughs> a, you know, it's a starting place. I understood what caffeine did to you, and I liked that. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, starting, I met my wife about 10 years ago or so, and she was working at a local coffee shop. I started getting into espresso drinks and more of the you know, sweetened lattes and such to start with. Real big fan of espresso milkshakes for a long time. And then yeah. uh, slowly started going, well, the coffee shop she worked at was starting to go more towards the modern specialty coffee model and the third wave model. So I started experiencing right. some better single origin coffees. And then uh, Delaware has the really uh, fortunate position of being really close to a lot of really awesome cities. We're only 45 minutes from Philly. We're 45 minutes from Baltimore, two hours from New York. So as we got more into coffee, both of us, we started doing our little coffee trips and oh, going yeah. up to Philly and hitting all the cafes, going down to D.C. And there's so much good coffee around here. And we're really spoiled as far as uh, – it have having access to all of these places and just being able to drive to a different city and see a whole different coffee community. Yeah, no kidding. I I didn't even think about that. You are like a stone's throw away from great coffee cities, right? Yeah, it's Oh, go ahead. No, it's just that's the typical like Skype yeah. interruption. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> totally. Oh no, definitely. No, it's really funny. Uh that comes up a lot with uh people they'll ask, "Why do you stay in Delaware? I have a lot of friends all over the country and one of the things I tell everybody is the pretty much the proximity to everything is awesome and it's way cheaper living and I kind of love the small town life. I've grown to really appreciate what Delaware has to offer. Absolutely. So what exactly do you do for uh, Brandywine Coffee Roasters? So I guess my technical title is uh, head creative and wholesale, wholesale development. And pretty nice. much I do all of the illustrations and manage, we hand silk screen all of our retail bags. So I manage the little print shop that we have built in our warehouse. Um, I don't really do much of the printing anymore, luckily, which is really awesome. I have a <laughs> apprentice. I got to pull out of the coffee shop and I said, you want to learn a new trade? And he's been amazing. He saved, nice. he probably prints about 900 bags a week right now. Oh my and goodness. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's working towards the, the goal of having an automatic press, but we got a lot more, a lot more sales before we can do that. Oh yeah. No um, kidding. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. It's been really fun. So I pretty much do that on a day to day basis. And then uh, so locally, I kind of mentioned it, Brandywine was started by a cafe owner who owns a couple cafes throughout Delaware. So um, I don't really manage too much in the local wholesale. We have a production team that pretty much takes care of all of those cafes, the training, delivery, coffee scheduling. I pretty much focus on wholesale outside of the area and online growth in the retail right. retail world. So right, and, and just. 
a perception I've had is it seems like you guys are growing quickly. Is that is that a correct perception? Definitely. That was. Uh, it's been a little hard to manage right now. We are <laughs> still. We just hired our uh, fourth full time employee, which is really exciting. Uh, we kind of oh, had to uh, with the growth, and I'm also uh, expecting my first baby soon. So. Oh wow. I needed to be able to step back a little bit in the day to day operations and kind of refocus and totally, get ready for yeah. this big life changing event. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. That's exciting. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. we're very excited. Both uh, my wife and I can't. We're in a great position for it, and we're really, really. Uh, looking forward to this new chapter and luckily it kind of coincided with a really nice little kind of boost in at uh, BCR and yeah, line. Yeah. we've had a few part-time people that have worked out really well so we got the transition uh, one of the girls into a full-time position and she's nice. kind of taking over wholesale account maintenance and just mail fulfillment and all the production side of things the really important stuff <laughs> yeah 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 it's all very important every little piece so i finally heard somebody say it i was wondering Brandywine Coffee Roasters is a mouthful, and you just said BCR. So that's going to be my go-to. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is how we all refer to it at this point. Nice, that's yeah. You're like, Brandywine, blah, 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 right? Like, exactly. It gets long. It's an awesome name. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So what are your experiences, just to back up a little bit off the name, we'll come back to that, but what are your experiences with specialty or third-wave coffee? What are your perceptions around those words, uh, what are you experiencing in Delaware, and what are you experiencing with uh, Brinny Brinny Wine? Totally. Um, our, I'll start with the Delaware. Uh, our Delaware, especially coffee scene, is awesome. Uh, one of the things that I think in general happens with small cities like or small states like Delaware, small cities like Wilmington, where we kind of exist is uh, they get kind of glossed over a lot and people don't really take the time to try and educate the market because they kind of have the feeling that if the market wants it, they'll go to Philly. They're 20 minutes down 95. They'll, right. they'll go somewhere else for it. So we've really kind of taken pride to slow down and start to educate the market. And like I'm sure you've heard over and over, you get met with some resistance, but the biggest thing is to kind of offer both. So we have our standard traditional espresso that we crank out all the time and people love. And then we have single origin espresso offerings. And Great. every time we get a customer that's really into cortados, every third one, we have our baristas be like, hey, try this with this espresso. It's on the house. Great. And little things like that go a huge way. We really try to focus on kind of open-minded education and making sure that everybody feels comfortable. Delaware is a very small state. So if you create an environment where somebody feels uncomfortable, it's, it spreads like wildfire. And it's the last thing we want around here. We want people to be excited about the, the fact that we're roasting coffee locally now. There's only two other coffee roasters that I know of in the state. Um, wow. And it's, uh, so it's really rare because I feel like coffee roasters have blown up. And like even when you look at southeastern Pennsylvania or anywhere in Pennsylvania now, I feel like there's like three roasters per little town. And it's really cool. It's awesome to see all of the, uh, the growth in the industry. But it's also interesting in Delaware kind of being like the, one of the only people where, or places where people can come find this experience. And we try to take that kind of seriously but do it in a way that's very approachable and welcoming. No, absolutely. I, I think it takes a lot. Um, I've met a few uh, roasting companies and in, in a few specialty shops that aren't quite in major cities or they're, you know, they're in places that are not familiar with specialty coffee or third wave coffee. And it's been an 
uh, a common topic on the show that, that even the word specialty can be off-putting. Oh yeah. Um, to people, and when you're when you're um, you know spearheading that sort of thing, it has to almost be gentle because people are have what they're used to, right? Oh and yeah. And a lot of them are so they hold so tightly to that that it's offensive to enter their world and tell them there's something better when you're you are doing it with good intentions maybe yeah no absolutely yeah so that's that's cool to know that you guys are a part of that sort of um you know a part of that specialty coffee story you're in that part of the timeline which is i think an exciting place to be in a challenging place to be no doubt oh yeah uh, absolutely so, it's really exciting and there's like small steps that you can that we found that you can take that make a huge difference and just kind of simplifying things cuz it's it can be really overwhelming when you're first getting into it. Yeah, and and I think um what I, I why don't we just unravel that just a little more? What do you think is the most challenging uh aspect of that? Um well, coming it's kind of uh, an interesting perspective being that I'm coming from outside of the industry. Yeah. And so, for example, um, one of the things I think back on a lot is when I was first getting into this and I signed on to do the branding for uh, BCR, the first thing I said to the owner, uh, Elisa of BCR, I said, hey, I need to do a lot of research. The coffee industry, one thing that I kind of value in anything I'm doing is being very genuine and sincere about what I'm doing. And yeah. I was like, there's a lot here and I need to kind of dive into this. And I think I need to start just by, like like I said, we're so close. I need to go to Philly. I need to go to New York. I need to go to D.C. I just need to go experience these other cafes, these other coffees, do the mail order coffee. And the range of experiences that I had going to those shops in Philly and New York, some of them were the most welcoming things in the world where I had a very educational and really like amazing experience. And some of them were kind of like almost uh, almost like um, – cartoon images of what you would think about coffee snobs so it kind of ran the gamut it was really interesting to me coming from a well i come from a a very uh a place where information should be free and where everybody should have access to pretty much anything they want to learn about and i definitely would when i had the negative experience would get the feeling that there was information being withheld for some reason or other that was just kind of odd and yeah, uh, yeah. and that was the point where i'm like okay i definitely don't ever want to fall into this trap and i definitely want to make sure that like there's a when i realized how amazing specialty coffee is the product itself this this agricultural thing these people like sac you know dedicate their whole lives to make uh, i was like whoa that's amazing but the way it's presented sometimes is a little too much and a little right. bit uh, off-putting. But I got the, I get the passion. So if we, and we try to focus on coming from uh, a point of that passion and wanting people, but just doing little things like a lot of our coffees, people get really confused between the origin, the region, the farm, and like all of the different words that come on the on the front of the right, bag of coffee right. sometimes. So when we are making like the pour over sign, I we try to keep it simple and say this is an Ethiopian Sadamo washed. And then if they ask or if they buy it, we tell them it's from West Darcy and what that means and the washing station it was processed at. But we don't offer all the information at once. We kind of wait for that initial kind of interest being sparked and then continue the conversation from there. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's some great insight. And I hope that uh, and I know some of our listeners want to open coffee shops. So this is really valuable information uh, as far as the hospitality side goes, because, yeah, the passion and I'm totally there. I totally understand the passion, but I see way too many times a shop 
flip upside down and start to guard the information like it's some sort of like I don't know golden knowledge that nobody yeah. else can have, and it, it's just absurd. Um, and, go ahead. You know, just to touch on one other thing, you know, it's been really interesting in uh, kind of contradiction to my experience before I was in the industry. Since I've been in Brandywine, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody's been very open. Anytime I've emailed a roaster, a coffee shop, anybody in the industry, they've gotten right back to me. They've answered questions. Right. We're really good friends with like uh, Reanimator and Passenger and all yeah, yeah. kinds of cool. roasters in the area. And we're constantly trading coffee and talking about profiles and where they're sourcing from. And it's that's that was what's kind of interesting to me is that I almost felt more openness after being on the inside than I did from the outside, and it's kind of contradictory to what I uh, picture the hospitality industry to be, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I totally agree. We could, man, we could go down that rabbit hole so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No need, really. I, I think you guys have actually done a really good job of covering this topic on a lot of the previous episodes. I've Thank I've you. That. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Westwood, too, if you were here. But yeah, we get some flack for it, for sure. Um so let's jump back to Brandywine and the name. Uh, you know, uh, how does Brandywine School of Illustration play a role on who you guys are as a roasting company? Because I feel like those must be hand in hand. I read part of that story uh, on your website. Yep. Totally. Um, well, Brandywine School of Illustration is very meaningful to me. It's kind of before I got into comics or The Simpsons or like anything that made me want to do art growing up, that was the first thing. Like just family trips to the Brandywine. Uh, school or Brandywine Museum of Art and being able to see the Howard Piles and I think what really got got me hooked on it was about when I was like 12 11 or 12 and I was just kind of learning who like Andy Warhol was and what pop art was and there was a huge connection between Andy Warhol and Wilmington and the Brandywine Valley and the Wyeths and that was the first time I was like oh these like farm paintings are done by people that were bigger than just landscape artists or illustrators and I started I was like oh these guys kind of started everything and you go back and you kind of learn like these guys were the movie stars of the 1900s before there was TV or radio or anything. These guys set fashion trends, set everything. So that kind of like really sparked my interest in the power of illustration and what like pictorial art can really do. Um, and then more than that, uh, the Brandywine Valley in general is just something that all of us in the company love. Uh, it's kind of a magical place in Delaware. You can be in downtown Wilmington, and then in two minutes, you're in these beautiful rolling landscapes and all kinds of awesome old farm um, properties that haven't changed in you know hundreds of years. Just so so cool to see. So we really wanted to kind of capture that and share that feeling with you know the rest of the world via our brand and via the way that we kind of look at the coffee roasting in general. We want to preserve what every what is really special about that coffee and put it in a package that is also really special so that when people get it they're like oh this is a very handmade this was uh something that had a lot of thought go into it and that is wildly obvious when you look at a bag from brandywine i mean it's it caught my eye first on instagram honestly is where i saw it uh and funny enough i had somebody come into the shop recently and be like yeah i just had this crazy cool coffee it was it was whole bean and the bag looked like it was like done by hand and i was like wait a second you like brandy wine and he's like yeah that's brandy wine i'm like that's, oh, that's awesome so cool. it's like two days ago and that's, that's yeah 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 and and so i mean you can just feel the personality when you look at the bag it's just so personal uh and that touch i mean when it comes to 
coffee designed bags like the design is so important and it's it's a common topic as well that we haven't really we haven't covered it too deeply um yeah but uh what i have to ask you what inspires your illustrations this is a good one this was one of the ones where i read i've uh, gotten this a few times and i've been trying to think about it because I kind of have two answers. There's one that's kind of simple and kind of sometimes I sit down and I just want to draw a cat and I'm going to draw a cat and <laughs> we're going to do something with that cat. But the kind of the real answer and the more uh, thought out answer is that I kind of view, so it's really hard. Like I said, I do a lot of other stuff with the company. So it's really hard Like right. if I just dealt with a bunch of shipping issues and somebody didn't get their coffee on time and I just had the van, the delivery van break down. It's kind of hard to come back and be like, all right, I need to get inspired and right. draw something cool for a coffee bag. And right. So what the way I kind of look at it is, uh, and I've noticed this a long time ago when I first started kind of trying to really create things and make art in general, that if you can't force yourself into a state of inspiration, what you can do is recognize when you're being inspired. So whether it's a uh, you know, I'm in a really beautiful landscape or I just watched uh, one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons or listened to a record that really inspires me for the first time or whatever that moment is where I'm inspired, I kind of try and take a mental snapshot. And then the best things that come out of me when I create are when I can just kind of subconsciously tap that, not to kind of sound too uh, hippy-dippy or weird, (laughs) but but it's kind of a very... When I I feel when I do my best, it's not a very conscious thing, and I'm not sitting down saying, "I'm gonna draw a girl on a motorcycle on this bag." Right, I sit there right. And I'm like, I have this coffee. I need to make an image for it. And I just kind of let my my brain choose the image from this huge bank of inspirational things. Yeah. Whether and I think I kind of one of the things I definitely took from music and thing and. Uh, culture in general is I wear my influences on my sleeves. I think it's very, uh, I, I, at least like maybe it's easier for me, but I at least see very obvious like, Oh, these are all very 1950s comics influenced, or these are very, right. you know, toony, uh, Hanna-Barbera influences, just things that are, and I think that's very important and kind of something that I do on purpose because I really feel that I'm just a, a kind of small part of something much bigger. And that's why I really like being a part of the coffee industry is that it's a very creative industry and it's a great place to just be a sounding board and the things i've drawn on the coffee bags are things that i've drawn a million times for gig posters or band t-shirts or all the other jobs that i've done i just get to apply this aesthetic and this like gallery of inspiration in my head to a different industry that is awesome and i'm very lucky is like-minded and kind of shares the same values as i do yeah and and honestly i think that the marriage of your illustrations to specialty coffee is, and I can't think of a, a better word than romantic. There's something like romantic about that. Like to have a personalized, you know, it's screen print, right? Screen printed totally. bag. Yep. They're all and, hand. <laughs> yeah. Hand screen printed, right? Yep. Totally. And yeah, there's uh, each bag has at least two colors. So if somebody prints one, lets it dry, prints the other, and then hand wax seals each one too. So we try to make oh sure there's goodness. as many hand touches. On. <laughs> when I first pitched the bag to the owner, I'm like, listen, 
I know financially <laughs> this is going to sound crazy in our bag costs. It's going to be weird, but trust me, I think this is going to work. <laughs> I am so happy that they took you up on that because no, she's amazing. She like one of the things that I never once I went freelance. My luckily I have an amazing wife that supported me and was like, yeah, sure, you can do that. We'll figure this out and like awesome. Was, very lucky. I mean, she was managing a coffee shop at a time, so it's not like she had like a huge job, but right, she was, right. you know, we were in a position where it was kind of like now or never, and luckily she supported me, and I never thought I'd work for like a full-time job anymore, but this was such a perfect position, and she, I literally can do, I have full brand control for the, like, you know, I, I'm sure there's some things I could cross the line, right, but uh, right. for the most part. <laughs> If I want to make a bag with Joey Ramone holding a cat, she's going to be like, that's awesome. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm really lucky in that way. That's awesome. That's that's really, really cool. So I have to ask you, and I'm sure a lot of people are curious, what, what illustrations have received the most uh, feedback so far? Like, what, what are the illustrations that have most caught people's eye? That's a great question, and I actually had never looked into it too closely until I read it earlier, and I was like, that's a really uh, interesting, because, well, some of the ones I knew, like the limited releases that we do are kind of easier to track. And, right. Um, short answer, I think the Halloween releases we did this year were the best and had gotten the most buzz. The one was uh, the Demi-Gorgon blend, which was a Stranger Things homage, right. uh, and that was something where... That came out, and I watched it four times in a row. I was right, like, oh, this right. was made for me. If I was <laughs> doing band posters, all of my band posters would be Stranger Things themed. So I'm doing coffee bags, so I might as well apply this to what I'm doing because I'm going to draw these pictures anyway. So Genius, I, yeah. I think other people will like it maybe. So that was the first time where I was like, okay, I'll put 50 up on the site and see what happens, and it sold out in an hour. And I got all these emails being like, is that really it? Is that? And I was like, okay. So I ended up doing about six more rounds. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I That's did not awesome. think that. And it was really cool because there was our – we have a very steady, like, uh, you know, the amazing Instagram coffee community or online coffee community that buys our coffee, which is really awesome. Right. But then we got all these people out of left field that I've never seen come across our, our site for these because – it tapped into a market that you know probably drinks coffee, but doesn't necessarily go through the trouble of buying it online or you know paying or you know you getting it outside of their local uh, access points. So it was really cool to see that, and a lot of those guys stuck around and they've been buying coffee ever since, and that was really neat to me. I mean, I uh, could. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say the other bags as far as like our single origin bags and everything, it's kind of harder to track because they go up for longer. But I definitely uh, I definitely think that the more figurative bags get more response, if that makes sense. So uh, I kind of go through two styles as far as cartoony animal stuff and kind of figurative 1950s comic style. Okay. And I think the comic style gets a little bit more response. Interesting. Yeah. And I imagine that with these uh, special releases, people might just be buying coffee for the bag, not realizing they're buying a delicious specialty roasted chosen selected coffee, right? So I'm really lucky in that regard because that's people have asked me a lot. Like, I, so I don't do much of the roasting. I know how to turn the machine on and fire it up, but I don't really, you know, uh, the other, we have uh, two, we have a head roaster, Vic, and a full-time pr- production roaster, Rob, and they are amazing. And I explain to people a lot, I like to think of it like a band. A band is only as good as the rhythm section. Those guys 
rhythms are my rhythm section. Like if the coffee inside the pretty bags wasn't good, it, no one would care. And I'm just right. the sparkly guitar solo that people like see and recognize or the catchy chorus. Like right. those guys are, I think Joe Strummer said it uh, from The Clash. He said that uh, you're only as good as your drummer. And I take that to heart with everything in my life. And <laughs> those guys are my drummer and my rhythm. They make like what Vic, Vic's uh, our head roaster. He's been in the industry for about 10 and 11 years now or something. Yeah. And he's the reason we were able to kind of start at the level we started at. Like, he, without him, we kind of would have been like, all right, we're roasting coffee now. Here we go. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. But uh, but we are really lucky to connect with him, and he's been uh, amazing to us. I mean, yeah, that it's, it's really cool, and it's cool that you recognize that. I mean, the illustrations are definitely... Uh, what caught my attention when I saw Brandywine, um, and it sets you guys apart, um, and and it's cool to hear how you can talk about it and how you're inspired, and and um, I mean it to me, it's just super cool because you're applying, you're taking something that is very artistic, like the specialty coffee, or well, coffee in general, just really oh. artistic, and then you're applying um, your illustrations to that, and just to see it, you know, blossom the way it is 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 exciting. Um, or bloom, I guess, if, if you want to make <laughs> coffee references, but who wants to do that? You know. <laughs> That's way too corny. Um, and this is why I have Wes on the show. <laughs> but, it's nice uh, to have balance, right? Yeah, you definitely need that balance. Um, but I have to ask you, um, all of us kind of have, or all the people we've had on the show have had like a fond coffee memory, something that they, they recall that they're like, this was a really awesome coffee memory. Um, I know Wes and I have had a few and I just wanted to ask you, is there anything um, in the last two years maybe that you've a moment that you're like, man, I really cherish this moment, whether it be with an illustration or something that happened with one of your illustrations or or the coffee. Do you have anything like that to share with us? Uh, There's definitely a lot of moments where I think I've just been like, whoa, I did not expect response like that. And I've just been kind of like humbled and uh, kind of flabbergasted at how one of the things that I really didn't know when I looked at the coffee industry and I recognized right away that it was an industry that values design and values craft and like really puts thought into packaging. And when I looked at it, I was like, man, this is really cool. I don't really see anybody doing what I do and when that happens I'm usually like that's either a really good thing or a really bad thing let's see how this goes and so seeing the response and kind of feeling that acceptance like I was talking about earlier like right off the bat like we had uh, people reaching out or the people that we reached out to getting back in touch with us and being so supportive but you really do feel like it's a nice community and uh, I think uh, as far as I think the best uh, coffee moment I've had is what, I went to the SCA for the first time, the expo last year nice, in yeah. Atlanta, and it was awesome and overwhelming and scary. And I don't do super well in huge crowds. And it was, I went solo for the most part. So yeah. uh, our head roaster was there for a day, but because of obligations, it was pretty much just me. I didn't really know anybody in the industry, and it was weird to walk up to people and be like, I know you from Instagram. Like, how you do it? Like, I <laughs> yeah, still am like, so kind of weird. Into that. Yeah, yeah, we so, know. <laughs> but I was really lucky that uh, uh, Wilbur Curtis let me uh, set up at the Seraphim stand on the competition floor. Oh, and I nice. Just, 
bags out. And it was so cool how many people came up and were like, oh, you're the company with the bags. I see you on the internet. And just that, I met so many people that I still talk to now and that have been like really awesome friends that I've made. And that was really cool to see. I was like, oh, it's awesome. I, this is kind of, it was the first time we're in person. I was like, oh, people know what we do in little Delaware and <laughs> they're really nice and supportive about it. Yeah. And, and uh, it's funny you said Instagram because I could have easily glossed over that. But don't you think Instagram has been like one of the main ways that you guys show off your brand or, or it's the best. It's the only thing we use. I mean, I don't even really mess with Facebook anymore. Like I kind of, right? I kind of, yeah, I, uh, I've kind of abandoned, I pretty much the only social media we do is Instagram. And then I do like a, um, weekly little newsletter specials thing to all of our email subscribers. But right. Instagram has been where I feel like you get the most direct connection and you can really talk to people one and two it's also just like a great resource like even just following other roasters and being like oh cool you're roasting the same coffee as we are and then sometimes they'll post how they're brewing it it's like oh cool i don't even have to like email you and ask what you're doing i can just see (laughs) and try this out i really like stuff like that because we're all looking at each other's stuff and we're all kind of seeing what's going on and it's it's one of those ways that you can like just have a a shortcut almost to what other people are doing and really get to feel like you're a part of it yeah i i think in a lot of ways um it gives the opportunity to introduce new ideas quickly. And uh, with something like specialty coffee, really, I feel like the culture of specialty coffee lives on Instagram. I swear it does. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, no, it's definitely, and even, I mean, just the way we run our, uh, and that's one of the nice parts about having the individual illustrations for each coffee is we get to do each one as like a special drop. Like I get to say, okay, here's the sketches leading up to the bag. Here's the actual bag printed. Here's the coffee. So it's kind of more than just like, here's the new coffee. And we also get to show the new picture and right. anything else fun that we're releasing with it. So yeah, it's kind like of teasers before the totally like teaser trailers. It's exactly what I would do when I was working with apparel companies through Instagram or, you know, it's a very, I'm not uh, reinventing the wheel or anything. I'm just kind of applying things from different industries and the Instagram is just kind of the best format for that. We, we really, or maybe it's just me being kind of stuck in my ways and not wanting to uh, learn the other ones. No, I I don't think so. I think Instagram's where it's at for specialty coffee for sure. So uh, that's just another shout out to our listeners to hop on Instagram if they're not already there. Um, so I'm going to jump into, uh, a semi-serious question here, um, and take your time on it. Uh, but what, what would you say has been a difficult, uh, hurdle for Brandywine coffee roasters? I guess you personally there, I mean, operationally, I can imagine can be a nightmare at times. What have been some of the, um, some of the challenges over there in the last two years? Uh, there's definitely been a good amount of those, um, uh, mostly on the logistics and operations side, I'd say, or in, I think it's just new business and kind of managing growth. Uh, luckily, like I said, we got to hire a very experienced roaster who uh, had lots of experience in setting up the production line and pretty much what we do. But the harder part, and we also started in a really nice situation that I'm very grateful for where we had a steady chain of cafe or a steady um, chain of business through the local cafes that we started with. So 
we had a customer a good that we could start with a good base and that wanted good coffee so we could serve that same coffee that we were selling to that customer on the website and kind of cut our teeth with that and then yeah. it, it pretty quickly we kind of started sourcing two sides of coffee and we have a whole different uh, way of sourcing coffee for the internet than we do for our wholesale customers especially the local ones because it's a little bit of a different model but uh for the most part uh it was pretty much figuring out how to manage and growth without hiring on people too fast and still making right. sure that customer service doesn't lack. That was one of the biggest things that I came that I kept trying to focus on was if anything went wrong, just send it out for them for free. Like make sure the customer always gets what they need and gets it as quick as possible and always kind of owning up to any mistakes that we made and making it right. So I'd say uh, the biggest difficulty was just uh, that unexpected kind of bump we had about a uh, half a year ago and managing the logistics to go along with that without kind of ruining any profit margin or luckily I don't have to get into too much of that side of the business. Like I'm just told yeah. we're doing good and I'm like, cool, we're doing good. Let's do it. <laughs> like, that's, I am uh, really spoiled in that. I've listened to uh, several coffee podcast with roaster owner operators and i'm just like i don't envy that like having yeah, to yeah. like i am so i constantly am people will ask all the time like how did you guys start with like alluring and then like i'm like we're really lucky we're in this unique situation where we got to start with a really good cafe chain like the cafes have been around since 1993 so they've kind yeah, of seen awesome. through two waves of coffee and like you know it definitely was a unique situation i feel so in, in that too, do you have like a proudest moment so far, uh, whether it be with your illustrations or um, with the company thus far? Is there a moment you're like, oh yeah, this was awesome? I think I have two. I think one was one I touched on earlier with uh, the Demigorgon release. Like yeah, seeing yeah. it sell out in an hour was kind of like uh, a little, yeah, it kind of blew me away a little bit. I've never really had a following or a platform with so many people before that are looking at the pictures I draw. So yeah, that was a yeah, little yeah. bit like, whoa, that's weird. People are watching this and it's happening. That's cool. Um, that was definitely something I was really proud of. And the other one that was a really different kind of proud, but it uh, really hit home was when I was, again, at the expo last year. I was doing a cupping with uh, Ben from the Long Miles Coffee Project in Burundi, and I had never met with him before. This was my first time meeting him, and he was like, you're from Brandywine. You're the guys with the bags and the artwork, and I'm like, that's weird. A guy that lives in Burundi recognizes my artwork, and yeah. like somebody that like I've – when." That was the first cupping, I think, where I liked something better than the Kenyas on the table and was like so – like his coffees just blew me away. And luckily yeah, we yeah. got to start a partnership with him and got to bring his coffees in this season and we're nice. already so st – like those were the best coffees we've ever got to roast and I've been so excited to work with Ben. He is nothing but a real treat and it, producing magic coffee over there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, especially considering all that potato uh, that they were having in the past, like overcoming all that. Yeah, no, it's really like I think I came in again at this prime time of where like uh, their coffee was just I think last year's harvest uh, he was really proud of. And I think he, that was like the first time where he felt like it was really where he wanted it to be. And it's been really cool to see. I'm really excited to see what happens next year. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you are kind of touching now on the sourcing. And I know on uh, on your website, you guys talk about the art of sourcing and the art of roasting. What? what what exactly does that mean? Or can you break that down? It doesn't have to, have to be um, too dissected. I'm just curious yeah. what you guys are getting at. 
Totally. I can kind of, again, uh, Vic would definitely be a, a better man to talk to in length on these subjects. But in general, for our, sor- our sourcing goals, what we're pretty much saying is we really want to focus on finding the best coffees out there that we really think that are something special to present while also finding coffees from producers that we can really build a relationship with. And this is kind of what I was saying, that we kind of have two different ways that we are sourcing coffees. We have people like that we are going to work with forever, as far as I'm concerned, or uh, uh, Pedro from the Santa Barbara State in Colombia. We buy all of our Colombian coffee, our, both our standard uh, espresso blend Colombians and our really nice micro lots is all through Pedro, and he's really – done wonderful stuff down there and then we have coffees that we buy we really try to keep an open mind because so many people are doing so many amazing things some of the best coffee isn't always through direct relationship coffee working with importers you can find some of the most amazing coffees you could ever see and just because it's through an importer we try not to have that stigma pass over where people see it as a you know less transparent way of sourcing because at the end of the day you can usually get if you're buying the right quality of coffee you can usually get the same amount of information and usually even get in contact with that producer through that importer as what we found so a lot of the times we'll start through an importer and they'll create a relationship that turns into a direct trade relationship or a direct relationship coffee um so we try and not we want to keep a very open mind so that we don't limit ourselves to the, the amazing coffees everybody's producing out there and kind of bringing into this country so uh we look at it like that and we still try and focus on having a really once we find the stuff we like building a really firm relationship and repeat business and kind of really investing in that producer and in that farm and trying to make sure that if we sell more coffee it's going to benefit them and so forth Right. Yeah. No, no, no. I, and I guess that flows naturally into the art of roasting that it's, you, you take that same care when you're roasting it. Um, and I don't expect you to, to break all that down for us. <laughs> so don't worry. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to do that to you. an art form. I'll tell you when I hear Vic talk about like the rate of rise and the different things that he's looking for and man, it's overwhelming and something where I'm like, Oh, the only way to get good at this is literally to do it for 10 years. I get it. Like it's like anything <laughs> else I found that is worth doing. You just got to do it a long time and yeah. kind of, it's really nice to see that most roasters do kind of form the ones that seem to be very successful, do form their own opinions and their way of doing things that are really amazing and kind of, it, they kind of get in like uh, in their own habits, but then are very prone to breaking those habits at the same time, which is really cool to see. You don't see that in a lot of uh, different um, different trades. You see people get into things and kind of stay there without re-examining. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely this interesting line that people ha- are walking these days in coffee between like being methodical. Obviously, you want to be methodical to a great extent, but there's also the subjectivity of, you know, at the end of the day, what you're tasting and what tastes good. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Just to see roasters. No, oh, it's, it's, yeah, that's a whole nother topic though. <laughs> that really you know, is. That was the hardest thing, like getting into the coffee industry by far. The hardest thing was getting over the subjectivity of the whole thing and being like, Oh wait, how is coffee graded and how does anybody taste the same things? And like just that kind of like 
that eye-opening experience when you drink the most amazing coffee you think you've ever had and you hand it across the counter and someone's like, meh, and you're like, whoa, that's right. Everybody tastes things completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just gets so, yeah, it gets so muddy so quick. Uh, anyway, let's not, let's not go yeah. there. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to ask you, uh, since we're coming to the end of the interview here, we have the short shot questions i'm trying to remember how wes always explains it uh <laughs> short shot questions i think is what he says and um anyway yeah we ask all of our interviewees uh these questions uh just to kind of gain some perspective on uh you know just a few things and the first thing is going to be uh where do you see coffee going in the next five years um so i definitely see it growing a lot i think that if if the trend continues in this kind of open-minded education and being as welcoming as the specialty coffee industry can be, I can see it really expanding and becoming more of a regular thing. I think we see you know, a lot of people investing in that idea, and that usually is a sign that there is potential, a lot of growth potential there. And I think just from just from uh, looking at a small virgin market in Delaware, like it's really cool to see the amount of people that have kind of this has become their regular. And I think if presented in the right way, sky's the limit as far as especially coffee industry goes. No, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I I definitely see, and I hope for that. I really want I want specialty coffee uh, in general, the culture to to overcome the snobby aspect that we kind of tossed way back in the interview back there. Um, yeah. And I, I really hope that that is the grand thought that we can all just kind of move beyond that and, and really be hospitable to the point that we're educating naturally because we are passionate and just want to share information uh, as it's yeah. available. Um, so the second question here uh, is going to be uh, a tricky one. What is, <laughs> yeah, seriously, what is the single best piece of advice you've ever received? And it doesn't have to be coffee related. It can be anything. Uh, that is a really good one. I've received a lot of good advice because I've done a lot of dumb stuff over the years. So, um, <laughs> but I, I think uh, I think the best advice I've ever had, and uh, it definitely applies to coffee. But when I first uh, started doing freelance illustration and quit my day job and all that good stuff, I was pretty much trying to put myself around other artists that are doing what I wanted to do as much as possible. And one of my really good friends who kind of taught me everything I know from silk screening to just was my biggest art education. He's, uh, I was freaking out one day with him because I couldn't get very much work and it wasn't consistent. It's not big enough and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, just don't worry about it. Focus on drawing. He's like, you're good. You can be better. Just focus on that. Like, just don't keep your head down and work and love the process. Because if you love the process, the outcome doesn't matter. And I was like, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. And that's <laughs> what I did. And it all just lined up. And now I pretty much get to support myself by drawing pictures to go on coffee yeah, bags. Yeah, <laughs> doing what you love. I mean, you're in an exactly. awesome spot. Yeah, but, totally. But that, like, uh, when you love the process of something and you can align that with supporting your livelihood, I don't, I can't think of a better situation to be in. I'm very grateful for uh, finding that in life. Absolutely. And on that note, the third question is, do you have any resources um, that you basically couldn't do what you do without? Like, is there any, cool. any books that you've read? Are there any, you know, podcasts you've listened to? Any, anything, illustrations you've seen? 
that's like a great that's I, that couldn't do without um i mean I, I don't know if this is a bad answer or not but i'm going to say the internet like in general <laughs> the internet because like whether i'm brewing coffee and i need to use my phone to look up the ratio or like you know if i'm yeah, yeah, using yeah. or if i'm uh trying to find photo references like one of my one of the biggest things I do when I'm trying to kind of spark that inspiration or access that inspiration bank in my head is there are these awesome archives on the internet of all of the popular science magazines from 1950s and all of these. So I just scroll through old pulp magazines for hours and stare at illustrators. So without the internet, I wouldn't be able to do any of that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> The internet and water, I think they'd be the two biggest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's mighty literal. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so where can where can the listeners of the Coffee Podcast find uh, you on Instagram? Or, or what are some of the places we can find Brandywine Coffee Roasters and, and more of your illustrations and things like that? Yeah. Um, so Instagram is the best place for both of those things, at Brandywine Coffee Roasters and uh, my personal one is at Todd D E eight five. So yeah, and then uh, brandywinecoffeeroasters dot com. We have a store and all that fun info up there. And if you ever want, I pretty much read all the emails that come in. So if anybody ever wants to get a hold of me or anything, very easy to do. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Not somebody who's withholding golden information. You're willing no. to respond to emails. As accessible as possible. <laughs> awesome. Well, Todd, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks for sharing all your insight, um, you know, insight, whether it be the coffee industry or even from an artistic side of, of, you know, where do you find inspiration? How do you do that? I mean, you had so much cool stuff to share. Uh, so thanks. Thanks for sharing it openly here on the on the coffee podcast. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye. It's really cool to have somebody like Todd on the show, somebody who, you know, is two years into the specialty scene and causing some major waves with his cool illustrations, something that he's been working on, you know, for uh, so many years, and then to be able to use it as a platform uh, and somewhere that is so fitting as a coffee bag. And if you haven't seen these designs yet, you need to check them out. They're really neat. Um, again, you can find them on Instagram at Brandy Wine Coffee Roasters. Uh, we'll be sure to link all that information on the episode notes uh, on our podcast and then also on the website uh, where you can find all sorts of other things, I guess, about the coffee podcast. Um, so be sure to check us out on www.thecoffeepodcast.org. Uh, check us out on Instagram at The Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at The Coffee Podcast. No tea. We explained that like five times. Happy brewing.